Hey, welcome to Fairly Awesome Podcast, episode number three. Uh, if you grew up in the 90s, Blind Melon taught you that three is the magic number. So I think we're in for a pretty good show here. Uh, my name is Staunton Wade. I'll be your host today, along with Ryan McDowell, Chris Keen, and rookie Josh Bushing joining us for his first Fairly Awesome Podcast. And uh, since you're uh, new to the podcast, Josh, we're going to make you go first. So all the pressure's on you. Oh, God. Cruel punishment. Don't mess it up. Right. So I know you've got crowdfunding. Tell yeah. us all about it. So uh, crowdfunding. I thought it was interesting that there's a huge amount of crowdfunding stuff going on right now. People are like legitimate producers. People that have been in fields before are starting to go to their fan base now and collect money for projects. So you've got all kinds of different things being crowdsourced. Movies. Spike Lee's got it. Uh, I think he met his... Kickstarter goal, and he's funding for a movie. Uh, there's a couple of video game people that have put some stuff together. Double that... Fine, one of them. Oh, what? Double Fine, the company. Double Fine went in and, and did one for a game. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's uh, <clears throat> Lord British did the Shrouds of the Avatar. I'm actually a backer for that, so that's kind of cool. Um, there's a bunch of other things. I've got some props here for what I've actually kickstarted and what has been sent to me um, as far as stuff that I've, so, I've backed. Why don't you explain to us what you have here for our audio listeners? Okay, so a couple of them are uh, just kind of really specific gizmo gadget type things. Like This is a mini micro SD card reader that's got a USB, like a mini B port, and it plugs into the bottom of your phone, and then you can put an SD card slot in. And if it's Android-based, you'll be able to uh, have extra storage for that. Um, so that was kind of cool. That actually just came about a week ago. Um, this other one is a Bluetooth dock. It, it, it's got a 30-pin Apple connector, um, and it plugs right into it, and it sets it up so that I can use a regular phone uh, with Bluetooth or whatever or my iPad to go straight to the dock and listen to music. I use. I actually got this just because of work. We have a, uh, a little speaker dock that I could play some music on or whatever, so... I set that up. Do you think you get good value for money out of these things? If, if these were hanging on the rack at, say, Best Buy, I, at, at the value you, you kick-started them off at? Well, this one, I think, was like 20. Your, your micro SD guy? Yeah, so this one was 20, and I think that's probably about perfect for something like this. They probably sell this for 30, I imagine, at yeah. Best Buy. Sure. Um, I think I got, I got two of these. I got a white one and a black one, and I think I spent 50 for both, because I was one of the early backers. <laughs> so it seems about right. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, the other one is the the Ouya, uh, the the Android based um, game console, micro console. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really really tiny. Actually, did, did you actually back that? I did. I backed this, uh, and I've been so swamped and busy. I have not even, uh, aside from opening it up, I have not even done anything with wow, it. Wow! Look at all the all the protective wrap still still on, still on it. there. Still yeah, on. it's impressive. How, yeah, I know. But actually, it's kind of nice. They they didn't they didn't skimp, man. They they actually have legitimate stuff in here. They a, HDMI cable, legitimate stuff as opposed to just illegitimate. Stuff. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, it's, I two, mean, it's two cans in a street. Seriously, like you had oh, to buy the Xbox. Sony and Nintendo got together and had an illegitimate child. Oh. Okay, okay, I'll give you the point on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah didn't no, come with see, the HDMI cable. No, the first Xbox. Not even close. You had to buy the the Redonk version, the Elite or whatever, in order to get an HDMI. So hundred bucks on this? Yeah, I think that's what I spent. Okay, and you've obviously gotten your values worth since you haven't touched it. Right, that <laughs> might be a good point. That might might be, you know, like when I get time. Okay, so this being the biggest Kickstarter 
that, that you've kind of pitched in for. Right. What kind of expectations do you have for uh, longevity of these devices? I mean, do you think you... Certain things like this are harder to define simply because... You, you mean the micro niche. SD card reader? Well, like these two both together. The and very the speaker, speaker the Yeah. You know, niche type things. <clears throat> Whereas this is a little bit like trying to get a game console that's a little different. You're talking longevity as in like how long they'll be a product or like product lifespan as yeah. in how, how long do I expect yeah, that micro SD reader to last with before a, I you with know, a get my phone funny if, if, you're getting, if you're getting tech or a product back from a, from a Kickstarter, you are immediately exposing yourself to Gen 1 tech. Right. Right? right. And even from established producers, they can make mistakes on Gen 1 tech. They've even, so, not to cut you off, they've even yeah. stated this. I've gotten a couple of emails, like some people have said, you know, that this um, is tight or there's like a loose part or something and that they've, you know, for their next iterations of selling these, they, you know, they want to know the feedback. And so, yeah, I do. I feel like I'm beta testing on some of this stuff. Yeah, I, absolutely. I think, but that the idea of getting it before everybody else is it, there's a there's kind of a, a nicety there. It's just you know yeah. you're a part of something then, and that you've actually with your money and donations, basically, you're going to get something back. It's a pledge, but you know, and they have reward cycles and certain things, especially with Kickstarter and some of the other crowdfunding sources uh, places might be different, but something like this, I. I Gave them money, they produced a product, and I feel like I've you know been a part of that. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting stuff, right? Because in normal terms, if we didn't have kickstarting stuff, um, and you wanted to be the first one with an OLED TV, my God, you'd have to pay through the nose because they already had to do all the research and development. They didn't get crowdsourced development by people that really want this product. Right. Right. Yeah. Now. Maybe even an OLED Kickstarter would be very expensive, but I feel like some of the stuff with Kickstarter or some of the other sites that do the same thing, you sure. end up getting pretty good deals. I mean, to get this stuff for even what it would be at Best Buy, I think is is good. You're not paying premium to be one of the first to have one of these devices. Right. I mean, in some cases, you're getting it, uh, you know, a pretty good deal by being one of the first to put in money on it. Mm -hmm. But so. These are obviously three things that you've contributed and you've seen the benefit from. Um, have you, Chris or Ryan, have you? Because I, I have not. I've not contributed any money. Have you guys contributed money to anything, any crowdfunding? I have not backed anything. There have been a handful that I've followed, but I haven't actually backed anything. Okay. That's exactly the same same thing. I, I If I found the right one, I think I would back it. But there hasn't been anything yet that I'm like, wow, that's so badass. I want to back that. Okay. So then I, let's uh, let's say what is the requirement for it to be something that you would back? Because obviously your requirement is, uh, Josh, is basically uh, you want to be almost a beta tester for technology that you will use. Right. Um, and, and you like the idea of having it quickly and having it first. Yeah. Um, and... and you know, that either doesn't appeal to you guys or just none of this stuff. Uh, the, the, the Ouya is, you know, I mean, it's a little bit niche-esque in a way. So yes. it's, it's whether you believe, like for me, the Ouya was an interesting one. And I looked at it and I did a lot of research on it. Like, is are we at the, at the you know, precipice or whatever of a big step forward in gaming? Because if we can get in with a $100 console and suddenly you get, um, the whole 
part of the, the draw with the Ouya specifically, before we get too far off of the kickstarting, but part right. of the draw was that the software is very, very cheap. Right now, with consoles, you're talking about paying 50 to 60 bucks a game. You know, with the primary consoles, it is $60 a game. Right. And all the peripherals are ridiculously expensive. There's the whole cycle of how you get games released, but you get triple A's, right? Right. Ooh, yeah. Unlikely to probably see triple A's, but maybe if it's big enough, right? So it, they've got it one. I some... think they had one that was just a Final Fantasy three spinoff type thing or something. That's, yeah. that's about it. And I haven't, they've had issues, all kinds of things here and there too. That I don't know if it makes them legitimate in the, that same realm as what they were yeah. hoping to be at, maybe at this time. Now, do they have enough, of a backing for their fans or people that have supported them in the uh, you know in the past, maybe going forward for a different generation or you know make improvements on it. I don't know. Yeah. Add and I'll say flavor there. The, the reasons that I that I haven't actually pushed in money on any of this stuff is more that either I find something that does what I want to do and it's already proven versus a Kickstarter for somebody else to do kind of the same thing, mm -hmm. or. Uh, with the specific example of of the Ouya, uh, it's not where I think gaming is going. Beyond in, in my in my take, you know, right. beyond just gaming, is this going to be something that we actually see more of? Crowdfunding in general, uh, I, Chris. I think, I think you're really going to see a lot more crowdfunding because with crowdfunding, what you've got is you pretty much have your base set, so. You know, if you're going to record an album or you're going to produce a video game, um, stuff that doesn't require hardware, uh, hardware, you know, lock-in, it's much easier to say, okay, it's going to cost me ten grand to make this album. I'll give you a copy of it if you kick in five bucks, especially if you've got an established base. So, you know, for music artists that are just starting up that want to get their first album out there without having to pay, you know, a full studio or they just want their studio fee paid for them without being beholden to a to a, um, label. a label, this is great. I mean, especially like if, you, if you've got a band that's, you know, got kind of a following, you've kind of already got people that'll say, hey, you know, I really want to hear this album mastered and sounding awesome. Yeah. Sure. Or, or 10 bucks, 20 bucks. Yeah, sure. Or in the <laughs> same vein, if you've got... Uh, Amateur filmmakers that have a script that, that sounds really good, and you're like, man, I really want to see that into a movie. You know, I'll put in my five or ten bucks. Or, and the interesting thing is that it's not a universal level, right? A, a lot of people are getting creative about the different levels you can get and the different levels of what you get back. Right. Uh, like, right. I've seen some of the films where they're pretty interesting plot lines, and if you were willing to pitch in enough, you know, like in some cases, fifteen hundred to two thousand bucks. You get to sit down and have a phone conversation with the guys making the movies, and you might even get to, you know, they'll hear you out on on your ideas for, hey, I think you should do this. Well, you're pitching in some of the money, so you kind of get a say in that. I think that's kind of cool stuff. And so yeah. I do think that this is a legitimate way of getting some of the products that you want to show your support for, as, yeah. as opposed to now, these guys have to go pitch it to, like, okay, before all of this, recording industry is a very good example, because before this... You had to go pitch it to the wrong people. You weren't pitching it to your audience. You know what I mean? You were pitching it to some guy that was making money and got kickbacks and, and all sorts of other stuff, or, right? For royalties and everything else. <clears throat> right, yeah. exactly. You had to sell it to some guy who, who was going to determine whether or not other people liked your music when you already knew there were all these people that liked your music. 
You know, right. why do you it, need to convince somebody else that right. your music and, and is And you awesome. can take your path with it. You know, if, if you have a plan for that, if you take your path with it, you know, you can use Kickstarter to sort of do that. And I, I think that's, I expect, like, oh yeah, if they didn't deliver on this, you had faith that you were getting your money back, right? Because they, they've abandoned Kickstarters before for not meeting their, their deadline. Well, here's the thing. If they've not or didn't think that they were going to, I had one so far that, that, had, that did not make its deadline. Nothing was charged from my account right. or anything. So right. I didn't have to worry about anything if they didn't make it. Right. So I'm not, the reasons I haven't put in is not because I fear that I'm, it's just a money sink. You know, I throw money at this and then they go off with it and somebody goes buys a Ferrari or, or whatever. You know, I don't, that's not right. the reason I haven't put in money to a Kickstarter yet. It's, I don't spend a ton of time on Kickstarter looking through the different Kickstarters that are there. I hear about a couple and I'm like, ooh, that's interesting. You know, and I'll go through and look at them. And every time I hear about an interesting Kickstarter, I'll spend maybe 15 minutes on the site looking at, at different ones that appeal to my interests. I will say that LucasArts or Disney, if you ever get a Kickstarter for X-Wing versus TIE Fighter, my money is in. <laughs> Fortunately... They don't need the money, right? They don't. They don't. <laughs> they don't but, uh, but they should. But they, yeah. Yeah. If they yeah. did some of this stuff, if they did, you know like Stanley, Stanley, Stanley doesn't need the money to do that. They should right. use but it just to gain, right. uh, like audience reaction. Honestly, like to to know, like uh, we're gonna kickstart a million dollars for X Wing versus Tie Fighter. Give us thirty bucks, and you get a, uh, a you'll get in on the beta for it because like There'd you know, you know there will be a ton yeah. of people, or you. Or you free get the upgrade to so when the game comes out or whatever if you let's say your kickstart is uh is 60 bucks in you get the vip the you premium know, it, edition right the premium yeah. edition they, there whatever. was a lot like that with uh, uh lord british's shadows of or shroud of the avatar or something like that anyhow and uh they uh they had various levels and it went all the way to like ten thousand. You got like a mansion house in this MMO world that he's creating for, for interesting. Yeah, yeah. and it. I mean, it, <clears throat> it got up there. And then he he went on beyond that too. He's got a, a separate site set up. You, you link your your Kickstarter account too, and then you can advance your funding on that site as well and get more things. So like, if you put in sixty bucks in the Kickstarter. And then wanted to go to the hundred twenty dollar level, just throw in another sixty from PayPal or whatever, and they'll bump you up to the next level. Now, what what's the motivation behind that? Is it because Kickstarter gets a, a percentage of the? It is, and then it, you know you only have so much time frame to set right. up. Otherwise, it's it's done. It's right. like an auction, you, sort you, of. Right. You can't you can't contribute more after the Kickstarter's over. I guess. Right. in Kickstarter, so yeah. you have to do so it Kickstarter through Kickstarter. Is the door so to get in? Right. He sets it up from there, and then had a huge. Awesome website. I would say that they've they've got it broken out into enough genres, and their search works well. If you haven't been out to Kickstarter, I would say definitely go out there and and check it out because it's it's pretty easy to navigate through some of the more popular ones. And you're like, man, this is really cool. Yeah. There've been a couple <clears throat> of things for like uh you know GoPro cameras and things like that that I'm like, you know, that is really one off and kind of unique, and nobody's out there making it. I you know, yeah. There were a couple I almost bought in on on that. See, for me personally, um. Like Mighty Number no. Nine, uh, that's probably going to be a huge one. Where basically the guy that so made far. Mega Man is going to make Mega Man the way Mega Man should have been when they started screwing it up. Basically, when he yeah. got out of it, um, so you he, he's got credibility behind him. Right. Uh, one of the ones 
but but at the same time, I'm not really going to do that in advance because I don't trust uh, the quality. Uh, even when somebody has that kind of credibility behind him, I just don't trust that it's going to come out as a quality game. Gotcha. Like, can you imagine the rage if Duke Nukem Forever had been a Kickstarter? Oh. Um, yeah, that would have been. I mean, and there's there, there hasn't like, been that, that kind is a legitimate of legitimate point. There I, hasn't been that kind of high profile fail yet. Yeah. Um, we'll see with this. I mean, I, I so far I think he's still got like eight, eight or ten days left or something for his Kickstarter, mm-hmm. and he's up to almost like two mil. Yeah, I mean, so, it, I mean it, he's got he's, he's got, got the, the credibility to pull it off, right? So I, I think that one of the ones one of my favorite Kickstarters was How Do I Land, uh, which was a comedian basically asked for seven grand, not quite seven grand, to have a skywriter go up into the skies above downtown Los Angeles and write whatever people that contributed to the Kickstarter wanted. And what they chose was for the Skywriter to write, how do I land? So right above the skies of downtown. And then he hosted a party like on, on the top of one of the skyscrapers so people could watch how do I land appear up in the sky. That's the kind of stuff like, because I'm, I'm kind of, uh, let me say that. I don't like vandalism unless it's creative, <laughs> right? Like so, when I see when somebody does something funny, when somebody takes a stop sign and writes uh, "collaborate and listen" underneath it, I'm Hammer like, time. "Yo, yes, yeah." It's just like, yeah, exactly. Or in the name of love, either way. So that's the kind of stuff I can get behind. So that's the kind of thing that um, because there's um, there's almost an immediate payback. You know exactly what's going to happen. And unlike the technology stuff, you're, you're talking about how with your, your SD card reader, people were saying, well, this doesn't quite work right and that doesn't quite work right. Well, that would be, make me a little bit mad if I got something that I wasn't, didn't know the reliability on, but something I could get instant feedback on right. or insta- instant gratification. But the device works for him. Right. I don't know. Is Maybe. it out of this box yet? Have you tried it? Okay. <laughs> okay, but the the, the it point is there might be some nuances, and you take some of that when you get into the, these Kickstarters. Sure, it may not true. be everything you you expect. You're a product tester in a lot of ways. You're right, you're, right, right, you're right, paying, yeah. but you, you you are you're paying to, to be the beta. You know how I'm following these kinds of things, and but that's I think that's the beauty of it is that you know I like technology. I don't mind messing with things, and you know like there's a couple of things that I funded or whatever that. Uh, Particularly this this watch that's still I think on Kickstarter. It's the Omate True Smart, and it just looks cool. It's gonna do all kinds of whiz bangery and, and, and gadgety type stuff. And I, I think whiz bangery. Yes. Whiz bangery. Yes. It's well, guaranteed I, I in the get, Kickstarter. Whiz bangery. I I get I would my jollies bangery. off on that kind of stuff. <laughs> whiz bangery. So you're no. you're you're a bleeding edge guy. You yeah, like... I really like just tech and toys and and messing with fun things that do. Fun things, and that's that's kind of that's kind of been my one of my limiters in getting into Kickstarter is I as much as I would like to be a bleeding edge tech guy, I'm not. I don't want the latest phone because it comes with its own inherent problems of having the latest technology. Something doesn't work, and then you have to figure out what's wrong with it. Has anybody else had the problem? How do you get it fixed after the fact? So I don't mind stuff being out for a little while. That's weird too because there's a lot of people like talking about the next uh, next gen consoles coming out. And I didn't buy into the first, you know, like first Xbox or Xbox 360 until way later, and they had all kinds of problems mm-hmm. with, yeah. with the first one. Yeah, I didn't just Red Wings of Death. <laughs> I think Xbox that, 360 had hardware problems. Oh my! Oh oh 
Oh, we are getting so perfect. trolled right now uh, <laughs> in the comments and whatnot. All no, right. actually, I was going to say, my the, my the first Xbox 360 I bought was shortly after Halo 3 came out. And then okay. uh, when I needed a replacement, I attempted to kill my Xbox 360 by jamming the fans in the back, and it would not die. <laughs> so, so I had to find another way to kill it. Um, but the other thing is um, built like a <laughs> kind of disposable income. Um, as much as I'd like to throw five or ten bucks at something... Having to justify throwing five or ten bucks at something that's, you know, this stupid is more work <laughs> than I really want to put into it. Because mm. um, there have been several things. Uh, a lot of um, games uh, you were talking about, uh, whatever the Mega Man. Mighty Number no. 9. Mighty Number no. yeah, 9. Yeah, yeah. Um, Al Lowe kickstarted a reboot of Leisure Suit Larry. Nice. Which I loved every single one of those games, and you know I watched that Kickstarter go, and it it kind of did take a long time. I think one of the one of the traps people get into is they set promise dates on the Kickstarters and then miss them. And as long as, as long as you keep people informed, I don't think many people care. This was huge with a misstep with that. They had trouble with all kinds of shipping problems. What was Ouya? for Ouya? Yeah, yeah they, well, because here like mine was the special brown edition, and then they decided that they were gonna brown craft edition. craft those like, the brown note edition. Let me just yeah, right. Was <laughs> <laughs> that a way craft um, after they made all the regular ones? And people were like, "What? We we backed more money. Why would you do that?" And, and why, so, why are these not made first? Yeah, why weren't these made first and numbered and everything else? And they're like, that that. I think there was some missteps there where they, they weren't sure what to do. And they I think they met some of their stuff, but um, to to get back at people that, that thought that they were wrong or felt that they were wrong because the shelves at Best Buy had Ouya's before Kickstarter backers did, um, they credited everybody's uh, account with $13.37. So that's like, here buy into it and we've given you guys some extra cash. Leap money. Some leap money. Yeah. Mm. To, to help. Now, I mean, does it go the extra distance to fix problems with people's, you know, issues with either shipping or not getting their stuff or it doesn't work? Or, I don't know. You you mentioned the reboot of Leadership Larry and you were okay with that. You were you're happy I, about that. I enjoyed the games. Actually, the first game had been remade once already into a, a VGA version that was much cleaner, and this one was another version that was much cleaner. An um, SVGA version? An SVGA version, <laughs> before we move on too far here. Um, but I think the thing that interested me is what they were doing with it. Is it, it again, it wasn't so much just to remake the game. It was, it was Al Lowe was involved and wanted to make the game. He wanted to fix the mistakes he made in the first game seeing, you know, what he wanted to do different and put that in a game that, you know, people that enjoyed the series could contribute towards. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like the the Double Fine Adventure, the, I think they call it, is it Bronze? Unless it's like Bronze Age now is yeah. the name of the game. Yeah. That's still not out yet. And the, the Kickstarter finished earlier this year, something like that, oh. last year, middle last year, something but like I mean, that. But I mean, game development. Well, they, well, yeah, that I was, funded this in August of last year. And I yeah. just got it, I don't know, maybe game, a couple months ago. Yeah, game development, they got it. Uh, a buttload of money, so they went above and beyond what they were originally going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what you run into is uh, with with like the Double Fine and with Leisure Suit Larry is these guys were established um, when you know we were kids or when our parents were you know our age. Um, the the guy behind the Double Fine, uh, Tim. Okay, Tim from name. Double Fine. Yeah, Tim from Double Fine, uh, responsible or in part responsible for uh, Curse of Monkey Island. And uh, Day of the Tentacle, 
Have hmm. you ever played any of those games? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. So, so you kind of come into it with almost a guarantee that this game is probably going to be really, really good. So it, it, it almost kind of says, you know, it's fine to throw money at this because you're pretty much guaranteed to get a decent product. Now, when are you actually going to get that product? That's well, kind of up in the air and depends on how long the game takes to make. But not charged until you get a deliverable, right? No. You like, get... it's charged when the funding ends. So, like, I got charged for this back in August of 2012. Oh, I see. And I didn't get it until, like, end of May, early June or something. I yeah. think it was right when I was ready to move or whatever. So. Yeah. I so, I, so, I think I think that, that kind of helps some of the Kickstarters is when there is an established, <laughs> like, so when I, there is an established base um, for people that want to see games like this made, people that want to see Mega Man done the right way are willing to pay to see Mega Man done the right way. So, okay. And I'm just going to completely just kill our Kickstarter conversation here uh, and go and go off when we were talking about Leisure Suit Larry and reboots. And uh, recently, uh, it was revealed that there is a pretty serious, like, in the works process of rebooting Stargate. Uh, Stargate, the movie, not the series, because basically they you know, they made the movie and then they made the series totally separately, totally different guy. Some of the same people, but not all the same people. Uh, and then they went off in a different direction than maybe was originally intended. And someone here, <coughs> Josh, uh, was a little bit rage-filled about that because uh, Stargate uh, is a great show and has created a great universe and it has a huge, massive history. And it got me thinking because we, in the previous episode, really just went off on... Ben Affleck Batman to the he's, just watch it we did we spent 20 minutes basically just bash bash fleck in bash flicking. uh and so now I'm at the point where after I got that all out of my system I thought how many things have been rebooted like we're like we were we all loved the Dark Knight but that was a reboot I mean that was a That's reboot true. of Batman and yeah. Batman the original Michael Keaton was either a reboot or a remake of 1960s Batman. So it's more of a TV show. Than so then, so, well, so a, let's there start there. there. Let's, let's get some ground rules. Uh, let's each of us just go around the table real quick and define what a reboot is and, and maybe what a remake is or reimagining. So Chris, let's start I'm, with you. I'm going to say, I'm going to say that there are, there are three different categories. There is, there's the uh, remake, complete remake where pretty much a movie is almost totally exactly like the original scene for scene. There is the reboot slash reimagining, where a movie involves some of the same characters, but is a different story or goes off on a different tangent from the original. So the newer Star Trek is an example of a reboot slash reimagining. It involves some of the same characters, but they threw in some time travel to, to do whatever they wanted to do with it. Uh, the third is actually, uh, I'm going to call it repatriation. That's not quite the right word for it, but um, those are these are movies that are remade that were not originally uh, U.S. movies, so movies like Girl with a Dragon Tattoo or uh, Let the Right One In. These were originally made in Europe somewhere. U.S. took them. Some of them, not even, you know, Bangkok Dangerous, two years, less than two years later, they remade that movie with Nick Cage in it. Girl with a Dragon Tattoo was like two years. Yeah, again, like hardly any time between these two movies that they were like, you know what, uh, people don't like reading subtitles. We should just make it in English and, and be done with it. <laughs> So, Josh, do you agree with those categories, or would you kind of re redefine them? No, I, I kind of agree with that. That I, that makes more sense. Um, it's interesting repatriation. I guess I didn't realize that 
the girl with the dragon tattoo was redone. Now, is that scene by scene redone? Like I don't. I, I, I don't know. I, I've not I, actually I, seen. I uh, I disagree actually with putting that in that category because, but because it's a book. Oh, okay. And it was just one was done in Sweden, one was done in America. But again, that's a, that's a totally different argument than this. <laughs> but what if what if the book is Swedish and the movie Swedish? Well, the book so was... then <sighs> it's extra Swedish. So like then, meatballs. so then, would you like my Swedish meatballs? Okay, so then, Lovely Ryan, uh, go ahead uh, and then add this in. Is every new James Bond a reboot? No. You mean each new actor? Each new actor. Mm, no. Okay. It's a continuation, and that's why I don't think that each Batman either was a reboot. Like, if you look at Keaton to Val Kilmer to George Clooney, that I'm going to say that that followed the same vein, right? First off, after slamming your head into the table a few times. Right. Versus um, Batman Begins, Dark Knight, that was a reboot. That was a legitimate reboot. Okay. Is it because of the tone? Yes. Yes. It was a, there was a vision set forward that they weren't just continuing it. You know what I mean? They were starting over, retelling the story. Uh, Spider-Man has this happen, right? So the ones with uh, Toby. Toby. Right. That was... <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> you There's said, a Roots you joke said Toby and all of us, all of us went Roots? <laughs> right. So that, that was a reboot of Spider-Man because they retold the story from its origin, um, assuming that you hadn't seen anyone before. Now, the, the Batman... Story, they when they when you did uh, when you switched out over to Val Kilmer and when you switched out over to um, George Clooney, they didn't retell the story with him and Joker, right? They they just let it go. They just continued the process. Um, it was other than taking really neon and uh, that's the Schumacher horrible one behind us or, or the Schumacher special. The ice, which the we should call that coming. Schumacher special. Okay, so <laughs> nips and glowy things. <laughs> there you go. It's a burlesque uh, show waiting like to a, happen. Sounds like a fun time in Vegas. Yeah, dude. Seriously. Uh, but okay, Spider Man, another another one that okay, when he the, the whatever the right, fourth Randy. one, I guess, the one that, that went oh, the, back. The amazing Spider Man. The amazing Spider Man was, was a reboot. Was, it was a reboot. Very good. And you, you have to you have to kind of delineate there between when you want to call something a reboot versus just a sequel. And the first, the first five Batman films were all sequels. Yes. Uh, the Christian Bale Batman was not intended at all to continue the first five movies. No. It was a reboot. It was intended to start over. You know, your first three Spider-Man films were intended to follow one another. They were not intended to start over. And even with the James Bonds, they're all kind of intended to be Continuing sequels. the story. But but at the same time, not uh, in Casino Royale. That's the true. first Daniel Casino Craig Royale was basically uh, an origin story. Prequel yeah. though is a prequel. Yeah, yeah. So that one, um, it, it almost doesn't really, it, it almost really doesn't fit a category because I would say that prequel is no remake. Um, that's true, no, right? That, yeah. That's so true. this is this is this is uh, this is part of the issue. But I guess the grander question I have all about about all this <laughs> is, do we need to stop? getting angry do we need to have kind of reach a, a some of a zen awareness of the fact that everything we love or hated will at some point in the future they will make an x-men movie in the not too distant future 
probably 20 years, that has a different Wolverine. Because Hugh Jackman can't play Wolverine forever. forever. I don't know. I think I think he if he kept up with his regimen, I was thinking that CGI. I think you Jackman for the next 150 years. We'll see, but that's funny. Because they redid Tron, and they did they CGI'd faces or or, you know yeah, but but that Tron was that was not intended to be a reboot. That was a sequel. Yep, it was a actually that's a that is a very blurred line on reboot versus. Reimagine because I feel like they did in a way want to reboot the Tron universe. They did. Might have you wanted to. You could have seen Tron Legacy standalone, sort of, yeah. yeah, without seeing the first one, and you wouldn't be too yeah, lost. You might not have been too lost, but some of the the Jeff Bridges references to the first one wouldn't have made any sense. Yeah, you're it like, been a why? Long time why is Flynn? The first why does Flynn matter to this universe? Well, but they explain all that. They explain some of it. You know, he's the creator. Um, blah blah blah. Yeah, right. but they kind of glossed over the original. Like there were some references to the original Tron and how he turned into whatever the black it was. It was like at the very beginning they explained, you know, just in like a, a voiceover. My dad uh, disappeared one day. Yeah, you know? they're like last time on Tron. <laughs> last time on Tron. <laughs> it's almost that bad. But um, I think I think <clears throat> what you were saying, you probably could have stopped halfway there when you said, uh, "Do we think that they should just stop?" Yes, they should just stop. They should. Because it creates some new stuff. The, the issue. The love of all that's holy. Yeah. The thing with the but, reboot is it's been done. It's like all the work's done for you. And you're like, I'm just going to slap some new people in there and, and we'll just make the same movie. And no one will know. But but let's see. Now there you go. You say we well, should just stop. So should Nolan and Bale never have, have gotten we together and we had Batman? Should, uh, I mean. Or is that different than saying. Well, okay. Let me, let me take it back. RoboCop. Reboots are See, not. Now, reboots are I'm not. I'm excited about RoboCop. Reboots are not so bad. Okay, if you if you completely start over, that's one thing. You know, to take Star Trek, as much as I wasn't a huge fan of the first film, which you know, people were, um, to start over is okay. You know, to divorce yourself from what came before and say we're going to go down a new path, that's fine. You know, Dark Knight did that. You know, this is the shit that happened before that you have, you know, still kind of have a bad taste in your mouth. We're going this way. Yeah. We're going to do it right. To completely just remake a movie. Uh, Red Dawn remake. Mm-hmm. What, RoboCop looks like a remake. It doesn't look like a reboot. There were already three like RoboCops. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, you know, don't, so, don't, the remakes don't I, need to occur. I think I like some of the, like, the universal players. Like, they, they, they'll go into an idea and then they want to change something something because it doesn't fit their motivations or their lore or something like that and they like playing around in that universe there's a lot of um, writers that do that with like a movie tie-in books or you know expanded universe books well they'll they'll kind of play around with the universe just to get their their taste and feel of, of what it's like to either write a star wars book or a robotech or something along those lines or whatever so I think film guys like that, where it's something they grew up with, and they, they they've always had this this desire because it's <clears> what got them into filmmaking in the first place, and maybe that's why it's like they're trying to pay homage to um, somebody who maybe have gotten them into filming. I hope to God we don't see a remake of Star Wars four, five, six. See, Will it happen? Someday? I would actually. I would. I think I would be okay actually if Disney came out and said. Um, the next Star Wars movie is going to be a reboot of the Star Wars universe. 
Um, I think I would be okay with that. I think too. I would be okay with that. And and I would use Star Trek as the example. People are with Star Trek fans are canon obsessed. Yes. Because, you know, Kirk, Picard, Cisco, Janeway, there's a reason that things when you get far enough away from the beginning, there's it's kind of like Mass Effect 4 has to be a little bit of a restart because so many decisions have been made in Mass Effect one, two, and three, that if you try to reconcile all those decisions with the new story, you're going to be in trouble. So uh, should they just retell the story again with a slightly different flavor? Well, but see, that's the thing, is that, like, Star Trek, the the, the most recent movie with Chris Pine, um, I don't know why I picked him, as it is always Haldania, but anyways, so... But dreamy but, Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> <laughs> so, but they, but that was, uh, that worked really well to say, we acknowledge there was this other universe, and we respect that universe, but we're going to do something that is really different, but going to be true to the original big themes of it. So they're going like to boldly it. go where Star Trek hasn't gone before. Well, yeah, I mean, a little bit more, a little bit more of a serious tone while still keeping some of the humor. Like, so Star Wars, if they were like, midichlorians can go... F themselves. Right. I think we'd all be in favor of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And said we're going to make the force a force again, as okay. opposed to whatever it was. And we Science. can still have all these different things. Yeah. So uh, this, but this is why I say I think maybe. But that goes back to what I was saying before with fixing lore, things that you didn't like about it. Then they put their own little spin on it. That, you know, certain people who are promoting that kind of thing and they want to direct that. Like I don't know who's directing RoboCop, but. I'm excited about it because it looks good. It's like a remodern version of RoboCop. And with special effects these days, and CGI, they're going to make it look a little bit less cheesy 80s. I grew up with RoboCop, so I, I enjoy the storyline. I'm not going to be happy if somebody doesn't fall into toxic waste and walk half I screaming know. and melting yes. across. Yes. <laughs> so, but, okay, <laughs> so, so there we go. Do we just, should we just say, let's judge everything that happens based on what the movie or the show or, or whatever it is. Let's just judge it as it stands alone. Let's just, when Ben Affleck comes up as... You're pot committed, should we just the Should thing. we just judge him uh, as his own movie goes and not be so comparative and not be so angry? Same with Stargate. Yeah. Maybe we should just judge Stargate without thinking about how much we love SG-1. You, you were bringing that up before and, and thought I was raging. I, I was raging just because, they, I mean, you've got 20 years of of lore and all kinds of other things. You however, thought I was raging. Well, I was raging because <laughs> however, Rick James over here. However. Oh, cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> however, uh, I will see it. Uh, oh, yeah. The, whatever second movie, third movie they decide to make, or if they're going to make a, a, a whole trilogy that comes after that to explain more things, it'll be fun. And maybe it'll get the uh, sci-fi people happy and, and put more Stargate on TV. Yeah. Yeah, if there's a fan base for it that really wants that, you know, sometimes you have to pay Peter to, to uh, Paul. I, I don't know. Chris, so, Chris, so are, you, are you are you are you are you are you content? Did to, you read to... that saying there? I think yeah, so. I think so. Are you, are you content with just <laughs> with with the distinctions made? Reboots are not so bad as long as they are different enough from the original. If you wanted to say we're going to remake Stargate, but we're going to slap Jason Statham in Kurt Russell's role and make the entire movie the exact same way it was when you saw it the first time, f that. 
No. <laughs> no, you don't need to do that. That movie already got made back in the 90s. We don't need to see it again. I see. I see Just because, you know, the 12-year-olds haven't seen it, and it'll be new to them. I see. So your classification of remake, as in verbatim remake. Nearly verbatim. Which is, characters. like I said, is exactly what RoboCop looks like. It looks like the old movie it with a new shine slapped on it and some different characters thrown in. The the issue you run into with a remake, it's a and, remake and I was of reading Michael Keaton's uns- career. It's... <laughs> no, <sighs> yes, <laughs> is uh, when you do a remake, depending on the nature of the original movie, you lose a lot of the initial meaning of the movie. If you go back and look at, like I said, Red Dawn, the original Red Dawn came out in what the eighties, when there was a legitimate worry that. You know, we might be invaded by Cuba or Russia or something like that. It was time relevant. It was time relevant. The newer one, North Korea, for real, is going to invade. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, thanks. And then, and then, Korea. and then to have it come out at almost the exact same time as Homefront. Homefront, the, the game. So, first. so but, would it but, have made more sense if, let's say, but fifteen years from now, China is a superpower that we start getting into another Cold War with with China about. And they redo Red Dawn to be, I mean, because that would kind of make a little bit more sense. It would make a little more sense, but it would still be a movie that's already been done. Yeah. You know, um, Night of the Living Dead, the like the very original black and white George Romero Night of the Living Dead, dealt with racial themes, I believe. So when they remade them repeatedly, they were still kind of there, but they weren't as prevalent back in when the original came out. Uh, Robocop, for example was made to uh, to kind of as a statement on the urban decay going on in some of the major cities and that, you know, we were going to need this RoboCop to come in and save the day. And in, in, his, in their defense, Detroit kind of <laughs> does. Yeah. Yeah. It needs a RoboCop right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but now, like with the remake being almost exactly the same, especially on the technology level, you know, 1980s tech in 2013, we can, we can, do, a little, we can do a little better than that. So that's, that's my issue with remakes is is they try and take something that might have been relevant 20 or 30 years ago and make it relevant again today with the same message, and it doesn't work. When you end up with things, and I, I much as I hate to use this as an example, The Day the Earth Stood Still. The original black and white Day the Earth Stood Still and the remake with Keanu, you know, face on a stick Reeves <laughs> had completely different themes going on. So it, it wasn't it wasn't great, but it was at least mildly more acceptable because it had been shifted to be more of a this is relevant now versus making something that's completely not relevant now and we'll just slap it in right now and people will still you know accept it right as, right we need we need to pump out movies so what can we uh, dig out of the archives and put fresh faces in yeah yeah I, I feel uh, and, and this is now moving on to a new subject I feel like. Fresh faces are what we are getting right now with smartphones. And I don't know if you feel the same way. I know that uh, you've got an opinion on that. But I guess at this point, uh, what do we need to see in smartphones, Ryan, that actually is more than just a fresh face? That's actually something new. I, I think well, we need to see the bad phone. Yeah, I was gonna say, that, <laughs> I'm so happy you guys recognized <laughs> it. <laughs> Where's Commissioner Gordon when you need it? Right. Yes, there is a bat phone on Man the screen Damon. behind us for those listening or watching. Matt, trying to Matt out what Damon that is, is Commissioner Gordon. <laughs> so, what's up, yeah, what's we, up, Ben? We've been seeing uh, new phones come out. And, I mean, if you look at, at 10 years ago versus now, 
holy cow, phones used to just do calling. <laughs> and if you look back 20 years ago, it's really all they did was just calling. And then, you know, 10 years ago, they were starting to get into texting, but really it was just like teens that figured out uh, T9 word. T9. Yeah. And they were like on little, you know, razors and whatnot. Yeah. Um, you still have that phone, don't you? No. Anyway. <laughs> How's that flip uh, phone working out for you? No. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, there was like the smartphone revolution sort of uh, mid-2000s to now. Yeah. And it's really taken off. What you can do with a smartphone now is huge. The question is, we've kind of gone through this bubble now. Really, I mean, with Apple just this past week coming out with their next gen of, of the 5C, the iPhone 5C, and the 5S. Yes, yeah. I mean, what else are they are they adding to this? And not not that we need to get into what did they add to the iPhone 5C and the 5S, because to be honest, I really don't care. What I'm saying is, what's what is the next gen of phone really going to do that isn't already covered? Yeah. And, and the big things that I want to see are sort of not huge features that I want added. I just want massive refinement of what we've already got. Right now, versus 10 years ago, cell phone batteries last you about a day. That pisses me off. <laughs> I, I want a phone that can, that I mean, has seriously, has battery technology not been improved enough? And maybe the answer is yes, but we're doing so much more with the phones now that, you know, the battery is draining at the same rate. But I want a phone battery that lasts me a week. I mean, you know, let me go three days without a wall plug and be okay. You can get that kind of so, stuff, but you what you got to buy another it, gadget for it. Right? right, or you know like on top of that with sleeves they've got ideas, but I think what they're trying to go for and what Apple has started with that whole thing is trying to get it super small and thin. Yeah. So everybody likes to keep them in their pocket, but if you got something that was maybe a half inch thicker, would you legitimately carry like a brickier phone? I wouldn't. And, and that's why I go with but a very minimalistic. Mean. I go with a very minimalistic, uh, just plastic case. It's pretty thin around right. my phone in case I, I drop it or whatever. Okay, if it bends the frame because I dropped it from eight feet versus, you know, two feet or whatever. If it slips out of my pocket while I'm sitting here right. and it hits the, you know, if it hit concrete, it would chip or crack my case, but not really do anything to my phone, right? right? So that's what I prefer is the very minimalistic um, case instead of, I know you can get like otter boxes that have batteries built in. I know you can get yeah. all this stuff that either ruggedizes your phone or adds in, um, you know, a battery that makes it last for three days. That's crap. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm not don't having a car with better gas, my or better range by towing behind me a, a gas station. You know what I mean? Like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be practical as well. It's got to fit the dimensions. Right. It's got to fit the dimensions See, of what you expect a phone to be. This is my issue, though. Is that's not really next generation. It's really not. It, because a better battery life is simply an improvement on a current feature. Well, that's what I'm a, saying. A larger next gen. Yeah, I want yeah. to improve the features we already have. Okay. But so that's, uh, that's exactly what I'm saying. That's not really next gen then. That's simply just because from the, from, the, from the Razer to the iPhone is a new generation. The capability it's a massive jump uh so all we're seeing right now with smartphones is different display sizes different apps uh maybe a better camera maybe a, a battery life that lasts 10 extra hours if we're lucky you know something like that we haven't really seen since the first touch screen since the first iphone we have not seen a true next generation of smartphones 
Well, I we're think just, they, we they just keep on improving current things. It, and and the uh, add what to I'm, it as well. <clears throat> right. I guess if we're talking about features, because there is... Are you talking there, about software features or hardware features? Well, too, what right? I'm going to talk about is a hardware feature. Okay. Uh, the whole point of the smartphone was consolidating devices. Correct. Right? You can now game on your... I mean, yes, you could play Bubbles on your Razer if you really Snake. wanted to. You, Snake. Right, Snake. Play the crap out of Snake. Whatever. Hey, I had <laughs> an awesome <laughs> golf game on my Razer. <laughs> yeah. Freaking high score on Centipede. Mm-hmm. All right. Awesome. Yeah, anyway. Uh, <clears throat> one of the things that I still find myself carrying around is USB thumb drives and packet hard drives, right? Storage has gotten ridiculously small as of late. Like, the past two years, storage has gotten really small. You guys kind of have a moment over there. Well, I, I, I feel that the, the issue, that what you're requesting here <laughs> may have already been filled by a different market. Your, your need for additional storage space could probably be alleviated if you had a phone that, I don't know, you could open and slide in a memory card or... Okay, so you're referring. You're, yeah, sure. So you're referring to the the card slot that exists in all the Android and even Windows mobile. Right, or or even not the not the throwback to the Kickstarter there. But yeah, I mean, even if you don't have it, right there. I don't sure. have the ability to put a sure, but I'm not talking about a small amount of storage. I mean, I already have a 64 gig phone, right? So I'm talking it's another 64 gigs. Okay, so that's not enough. I'm talking if they give me another 10 hours of battery, that's not enough. I'm talking. Next gen on this is you gotta you gotta take a huge leap for me to even recognize that you've done something. So you're talking I'm talking terabyte, two terabyte, three terabytes in your phone, so you don't have to worry about storage. You don't even have to worry about it because it's so much space right now. Now, five years from now we'll be like, well, yo, what the hell am I gonna one, do with one it? terabyte ought to be enough for anybody. <laughs> Did right. they say that about like ten megabytes? <laughs> sure. I mean, like, you're yeah. going like super saying... user on some on some of those things. Like the common person has maybe six to ten gigs of of actual MP3s that they would put on their phone if need be. But you have all these streaming services now that you don't need that for. So that's where these these manufacturers are trying to get more money for their device by increasing it by minute amounts of money, but it's each like doubling of the amount of uh, storage in your device is like a hundred bucks each time. Right. And that makes no sense to me because no. that storage is fixed and it's, those costs have been going down a lot. Well, let me, let me say this. I have been uh, on, on the Android iPhone side for reasons, whether they're right or whatever, but I've been on the iPhone side sure. basically since ditching my Windows brick smartphone. <laughs> yes, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Forever ago. I think it was like 2004 or whatever. So I switched over and have stayed iPhone, you know, for good, good, worse, or, or whatever. But you're uh, bought in. Right. At this point, you've got an app right. library that you've bought right. into. I'm comfortable using it. Everything works the way I want it to. Right. It, it just works for me. Well, I would cool. say that if an Android phone came out and had a two terabyte hard drive in it, right? Mm-hmm. That would make me really consider. If an Android phone came out and and said, our phone lasts five frigging days on its battery, that would really make me consider. And I would jump the, the smartphone fence on some of these big things, and that's why I think they're game changers. And it can't Saying look like something goes, Zach Morris would carry. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hello! <laughs> <laughs> you know, freaking huge... I get what you're saying. That, that makes a lot of sense. Um, Maybe in future iterations where they've got, um, with laptops getting super small um, and Mac uh, 
MacBook Airs and things are super small and they've gone to solid state drives. Perhaps because they've got those micro uh, PCI slot solid state drives, they might be able to put something like that inside of a well, phone. They've already got drives that are that are well. I mean, the the tech to make a phone do what it does is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. The your biggest piece of of equipment in the phone is the battery, which yeah. fills up all available extra room, extra room, and right. the screen. That's yep. it. That's it. Right. Everything else so is super small. If they can figure out how, I mean, if you've seen some of these little. Super teeny tiny storage that's like, uh, you know, half a terabyte on little tiny guy. They can find room in the phone. It's just right. too expensive right now. That's yeah. just it. That's See, awesome. And, but, so what, what? What other things? So I've said what, what you know, at least two or three things that I really want to see in what I consider to be next gen. Whether you consider that really a next generation or not, is is the next thing. But what do you what do you think? Are we going? You know. Is it going to specialize, or, or what do you guys think will be in the next gen? Something, and uh, I think uh, flexible, flexible. I, I think that it should be. You, you could virtually roll it up. Like maybe your phone is a tube, and you you just pull it out. Like it slides open, and then, and then the screen. If you want it to be a larger screen, you just pull it out further. Something, something really. I mean, we're talking about crazy, but they have flexible. Displays now. They're that's getting, that's just that's it's just the hitting the market. The so that's that's an example of something I would position. consider truly next gen would be having a phone that looks was, like a Roman scroll, and you just ah yes. Well, call, but call. in a way, actually, that makes a, it makes a ton of sense. If your phone, <laughs> you're like okay, Helmet phone. You, you're you're making fun about it, but if you're you had a phone the size of your iPhone that you could that you could flip up and then pull out, you'd have an iPad sized display. That you could carry around in your pocket somewhere at Nintendo, they just had an idea for a Nintendo 4DS. <laughs> like, wait, <clears throat> wait for it. <laughs> but again, that is something that would truly be revolutionary because we have maxed our display size capacity. We might as well all just strap iPads to our chest if they're going to go any larger with display <laughs> size. I mean, what, what's the uh, the 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 nickname for them? Um, the, where the phone has such a large a display. Phablet. It's like yeah, phablet. Thank you. Yeah, we are. We're we're at the we're at the point of phablet. So in order to have a larger display, they have to find some way of doing that. And that's my proposition. Maybe there's a more brilliant one out there. Um, I in total recall the remake. Ah, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, that that was not quite a remake. Not what? not not quite the same plot. Did he, did, he ever, did he ever go to that Mars? That's true. Hmm. Good mm. point. Mm, interesting. Total mm. remake the reimagination. Reimagination. The redo. He had a phone that was actually genetic, or, you know, surgically in his, implanted in into his hand, and then he could bring up the whole thing on a piece of glass just by putting his hand against it. So, but actually, smart, didn't they? in a way, that's a th that is that looks ridiculous. <clears throat> The Inspector Gadget phone. Really, putting your hand really? up, putting your putting your hand up to any, your head any more ridiculous phone. than a Bluetooth headset. Well, Bluetooth—that's a totally Bluetooth different headset. story. There, Come but putting on. your putting your hand up like that <laughs> looks silly. Looks like Google Glass silly. So I'm not sure, but at the same time, the fact that it's surgically implanted, you'd have to assume that it runs off of like organic matrix style energy, which would be truly next year. That could be that interesting would, if you had to reboot your phone. You're right with like the wearable tech. <laughs> Think it would be. <laughs> Hang on, they got to do the fucking neck bend. Yeah, every time you crack your knuckles, you you butt dial. Hold on, my reception's going bad. You just break my hand. Oh, that's much better. We fold this the other way. I'm going through a tunnel. But like, yeah, you're right. Going maybe towards wearable tech. 
would be good. Like the watch type thing. I'm kickstarting a watch that's got a 3G signal on it and things I like just, that. And it's the just, thought of this, the watch. All it does remind me of the one kid that you went to school with that had the calculator watch. Yeah. You had a calculator watch, didn't you, Josh? Just admit it. I, I might have had it. <laughs> it was the best invention ever. Like the, the watches that no, had uh, like the Super Super Mario Brothers on that you could friggin' play. Those, those are like awesome. The, didn't you have a watch that had yeah, a, I had a Sony touchscreen? Uh, yeah, yeah. I noticed you're not wearing it. Well... Um, Old tech. I, I lost Old that. Old tech. No, uh, so is it ridiculous? Yes. It, it's going to be probably about the same size as this, though. And it will have a touchscreen. Do you I, think I that's going to be enough real estate, even at, at ridiculous, no. like, retina but display But here's the cool part of... about this, right? So it's got, a, like, a camera kind of like the uh, the Samsung Gear or whatever, but it's got a camera. I could have, had it been funded and I had gotten that phone or, or device, even if it was just Android, and not actually tied to making a phone call or whatever. I could have recorded something where, you know, I would not have normally taken my phone. I didn't take my phone on my vacation uh, jet ski tour of Marco Island. Uh, but had I been able to capture the, us, like, kind of touring around with these dolphins and becoming one with the pod, I would have been able to videotape this. <laughs> I mean, it just goes to a place where I could not have been able to have my phone to capture that moment. Or, you know, or some, some sort of specific, ridiculously expensive underwater or waterproof camera would have taken. Because then I would have had to, you know, futz with it. Here, it would have just been right here, bam, 720p video recording of this whole thing. That's true. That so, is it niche? Yeah, it's very niche. But uh, is that kind of a cool thing to have? I mean, it's wave of future type stuff with wearable, trackable tech where you're... So, you think Google, Google Glass is going to be huge? I think if it becomes more affordable, think it's be like Gen the fifth, yeah, yeah, because right now it kind of there it, are so many people. There's upset a difference with between this. looking nerdy, right, and then looking really dorky, like dorky, punch worthy, dorky. Like, like nerdy is is kind of chic, right? Like I, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah, yeah, no geek chic, yeah, right? I get you can be really smart and just yeah. you know whatever. You, so who cares if you're not wearing like Abercrombie shit or, or whatever? But right. if you're there's dorky, if, right? Where where even nerds will will kind of criticize each other. So like, a little bit. Really <laughs> good lord. Back really in, you know, dude. back in the day, if you had a, uh, um, oh my god, before the smartphone, the tablet, like a tablet PC uh, with the little stylus and everything. Yeah, it was it was pressing the dorky buttons a little bit. A little bit. But now everybody has basically a tablet PC in yeah. their pocket. So yeah. I mean, um, it is interesting how like I remember HP coming out with that that tablet where it actually separated, right? And everybody was like, that was a terrible idea. Like, yeah, I remember I reading, reading, like, reviews from, Ridiculous like, Wall Street hate. Journal and, and yeah. things like, like, what were they thinking? You can leave half your computer behind? What were they thinking? You know, and now, and now it's that's, like, that's that, all that... Like, <clears throat> you get a what, keyboard for your iPad that it snaps <laughs> in there and you can type on. I know, you see all this stuff and you're like, the, the whole Asus wrong Transformer really. line mm -hmm. is like a tablet and then, oh, click netbook. You're yeah. just... Yeah, that's at just brilliant. different times, I suppose. So, yeah, I think so. tech tech will will come in and, and catch on it at different points. But I think I think Josh is probably right that the next generation of like phone tech is probably going to be wearable. The I think the Google Glass is still it is still too young. Um, you kind of have that stigma of you know everybody expects kind of the the Terminator 
you know, heads up display thing going on where, you know, you can see stuff scrolling in front of you and shit like that. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to be quite that awesome, but will it, you know, will the next version that is like, you know, are they just pervy people that are recording everybody yeah. every little yeah you, you got people that are gonna be, gonna be pissed off but the, the, the thing with the like the the tablet watches uh, unless there's some amazing thing that the tablet watch can do yeah are you gonna you, you know to to take pictures are you gonna be like yeah hey, we're in the dolphin pod yeah i, no, I guess I, <laughs> hey i'm getting a phone I'm call hold sure. on <laughs> yeah well, and you know that's the it's thing. like Sutton's tube i just want to be like hello <laughs> yeah i'm doing great <laughs> but yeah, I mean, unless there's some sort of awesome interface or or some way, you know, as much as I hate Bluetooth headsets, if you if your watch could link up with your Bluetooth headset, it does, and then you know you, <laughs> it does, Chris, it does, it does. <laughs> jackass. Well, it's got Bluetooth, it's got Wi-Fi, but it's, it's you know it's got that whole Bluetooth headset thing going against it. So I refuse I know, I know. to acknowledge that it exists because they do walk they, down they the street. Need, you're going to get boxed in the ear. Yeah, you somebody's going to come up to, be they like, they need to find a way to make the Bluetooth headset look either invisible or cool. Yeah. Yeah. And you would think they could, they like, you should be able to get well, the, the microphone tech stuff small enough. They've got small yeah. enough things where you could, like, like, a, like, a Bluetooth Yeah, but I think aids. the problem isn't that, the, the hearing part, I think the problem is the voice detection part. But right. even then, if you Plus could get, battery I mean, life. that's true. I mean, I guess you'd have to look at the tech, but if you Maybe could do something. Maybe a nasal implant is just, like, right here, so it picks up everything. You're like, like, in your in your tooth, <laughs> right? So it's like, like, just like a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hearing aid and, like, a, a tooth cap. That will work out perfectly. And, and then, then when you're, like, talking to somebody and, and you're like, so you're... are you eating Doritos while I'm talking to you? And they're like, <laughs> no. No, not, not at all. I'm, I'm talking to you. I'm going through a tunnel. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm, I, I want to buy this bag of sun chips. <laughs> so, okay. So, so, yeah, yeah. I think I think the next gen is going to be wearable tech. But I think the wearable tech still has a few hurdles to get over before it's it's, it's mainstream cool acceptance. That's yeah. True. yeah, I'll give you that. Okay, so what about like tricorder stuff? You think it's gonna like boom in a certain area like medical where your phone starts doing very specific stuff that could be universally, you know, cool. Like a lot of people hurt themselves around you, you know, if you had something that could do very quick diagnostics, you know. Yeah, I think that they I don't know. require an infrastructure of, of you know, like some sort of everybody gets some sort of implant than to be able to read that. That is interesting, though, because if they did develop a basically handheld medical scanner, why couldn't it also exist? Because the only difference between an iPad Touch and an iPhone is basically the cellular cellular components plus the phone app. So you've got a little bit of hardware plus the app, basically, that turns it into a phone. So with this, all they would need would be the hardware that would be the medical scanning device, which, quite frankly, I bet that would be relatively easy to do with a lot of things. Um, And then just an app to run it all. What you'll run into with that, I think, is is for general consumption, um, not to offend anyone, but people in general are stupid. (laughs) <laughs> um, I don't. I don't mean that. I mean that in the least offensive way possible. That he everyone is. No, wait, what, what did you look directly at Scott when the you were like most offensive most way offensive. possible? Hat Malum, you. <laughs> <laughs> he like looked directly. At, he I'm was like, like Stodden, people. I don't mean stupid. to be. I don't mean to insult anyone, especially you. No, it's kidding. Um, but I mean, you already have instances. People have a cough and they go to Google. And determine that they have terminal cancer because they have a cough. <laughs> if I've got a tricorder that I can now buy a commercially, I'm like, 
oh good, it's a brain tumor. But there is there is <laughs> my arm hurts. I know it's this, a brain is, this is awful, but there is oh, no God, reason the there couldn't be an ultrasound machine on there that you could perform a mammography or an X-ray scanner so that you could see if that bone is actually broken. The issue with an X-ray scanner is X. <laughs> it's a tumor. It's a tumor. <laughs> so we know. The X-ray scanner specifically, X-rays are dangerous enough that they make you wear a giant lab. I, I realize that. I, I'm just being. I'm speaking but in relative I, terms I here. Is that yeah. to be able to see internally from your phone, if you want to call it that, would be a, a, a dramatic leap forward. Uh, and undoubtedly, be, undoubtedly that and I'm people, sure there's people working. Undoubtedly, stuff like that. Yeah. Chris would just sit at his desk all day and take pictures of Ryan's butt I, close. I would. I'd be like, oh, X-ray mode's working. Yeah. <laughs> What what is going on? Here? Okay, so taking a weird, right. really weird <laughs> generation of phones that I don't want. <laughs> so okay, what's interesting <laughs> is that we are demanding more and more and more to the point of apparently nude medical technology yes. from our phones. Yes. <laughs> but in other industries, gaming, they're actually giving us less. And for this example, we will turn to Chris, who will tell us about the crap oh, DS, 2DS. Yeah, game. Nintendo recently released the 2DS, which is basically a 3DS that no longer folds in half and can't do 3D. As you can see there. It looks like it'll fit, it'll fit in my pocket, it really. Should, it, uh, it should uh, fit Speaking quite nicely. Tablets. Into your, yeah, into your pocket. <laughs> yes. the best, the, you know what I was missing with my tablet was two screens. Right. I, I, I'm like, why isn't there a break in the middle? You could have so a, I have two screens. Was that the Curacera Echo? With the with the two with like the yeah, screen it, on the it, phone, it and then you screen, fold up, and there's another it open screen, and there was a second screen, and you were just like, but screen. The, the issue I have with the 2ds is you can already buy a 3ds. So let's say okay, the market for a 2ds is young kids that you can't trust with a 3ds. But when they get older, they're gonna want a 3ds. So not only has Nintendo convinced you to buy a 3DS where you could just turn off the 3D and let them play it as a younger kid, they've now got you on the hook with a 2DS and a 3DS in a few years. Um, the one, another one that's not quite as bad What's is... What's the, the price point on this? I believe that 2DS is 100 I uh, know. I, th I thought it was one ninety nine. We probably should have researched one thirty, one thirty, one forty, something like that. Versus so fifty bucks less than yeah, one eighty for a three DS, right? I think right. so. Something like that. So yeah. one seventy so is what I spent. Less. So fifty bucks, really the... fifty bucks less that you're then going to spend in a few years. Well, the original price was what, like two fifty yeah. when it yeah. first came out. Yeah, it was a, almost like almost console level. Yeah, it was yeah. pretty crazy. And so, actually, if you look at the Wii, we ended up being <clears throat> cheaper than that in the end. Yeah. So really, the two DS kind of seems like Nintendo grasping at something they can convince you to buy to give them money. We we know Wii U was kind of a failure with three DS isn't doing so great. Here's a really cheap one. You should buy that. Please buy it. Is this the and iPhone 5C? The iPhone 5C. Is that what this is? It depends. Does it come in, in new, fantastic... Oh, wait. It's bigger size. Now. Neon colors? Bigger size, colors. zero more features. In <laughs> yeah. fact, minus one feature. Minus, minus two features. No 3D and no folding in half so well, you can actually... Well, I think it's doing pretty well. It is doing like, pretty console well. Console-wise, like, they're... Was this portable? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah you know, was I, the 2DS warranty? I don't know who this is actually appealing to. The other one, which is actually not... A terrible idea, but seems like from what I've been reading, seems like it doesn't have a whole lot of people backing it. Is Sony has produced a is it Vita TV? Vita TV. They basically took a Vita, stripped out all the interface components so that it's just a box with cords going out of it that you can plug into a TV, and it basically plays 
Vita game, Vita games, some PSP games, and some PlayStation One games. It looks um, about the size of a um, um, an Android device. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not maybe kind of like an Aria. It looked like it was actually smaller than the controller itself. Like oh, a, yeah, oh, yeah, it was dual shot yeah. controller. It was. It's, yeah. it's very thin. Uh, the idea is it's a being released in in Japan right now, and they're they're basically all but saying yes, it's coming to the states. It's yeah. just not coming this year. So, uh, hundred bucks, hundred bucks. Yeah. Right. Uh, now, you can take your. Uh, I'm guessing the people that this is marketed to have either some sort of Sony uh, product already, but maybe not. Uh, if if you do already have Sony products, you're in luck because your uh, DualShock Three controllers will work on it, so you don't need to buy anything extra for it. Nice. Uh, HDMI cable plugs right into this thing. It goes out to a TV. Uh, very low power consumption. Uh, One of the impressive features I'd seen was if you uh, it's it will pair with I believe it will pair with the PlayStation Four. So that if the PlayStation 4 is in one room hooked up to a TV, and you take the Vita TV to a different room, it will do, like, the Vita game streaming feature. So you could play your PlayStation 4 game on a TV in a completely different room just because you have this Vita TV. Right. Tommy so goes in the basement. No, no let's, say, let's say it's uh, your family has enough to buy one PlayStation 4, right? So it's hooked up to the main TV or whatever. Right. So this is the, the kind of thing that, okay, 100 bucks and... You know, Timmy can go play his yeah. his games up on on his TV in his room. You Your thirteen year old can go upstairs and play Call of Duty, which yeah. he shouldn't be playing anyway. Yeah, maybe <laughs> still. But anyway, I, I find it really interesting because the Vita itself, the handheld uh, for the Vita, uh, hasn't really been stellar as far as getting off. Understatement the of the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Well, Nintendo's just been annihilating it, and yeah. Vita hasn't been doing as well as even the PSP did. Right, you know, the yeah. PSP well, did did fairly well. Now, well. not saying the Vita doesn't have cool tech. That's so, true. You know, with the touchscreen on the back, yeah. and the the uh, the interface it has for it, it does sell technology. You know, you can get like a three G unit in it, and I'm not sure whether that's going to be included in the. I don't know whether yeah, you can no. get cell for the uh, for the Vita TV. Yeah. But they know, instantly, I wouldn't think so. It's, it's, I think it's a TV like stationary. Wi-Fi so. only kind yeah. of thing. Well, instantly you'll have access to all PS One games, all PSP games, and a good majority of the Vita games. Now, the the only ones that they say currently you can't play are the ones that uh, explicitly use the touchscreen features of of the Vita. So if they have that. There, there's no point. It won't be on the market for Vita TV. Gotcha. But it's something like 1,300 games at launch, 100 bucks. There's a bad. lot of exclusives there that would be good to play, I think. My only question there, which I, I didn't see and maybe I just overlooked it. Yes, it can play PS1 games and PSP games, but it does does it not have an optical drive? These are games that you no. bought off the market. Yes. So if you have a huge collection of PS1 games... Congratulations! You get to rebuy them all to play them on your Vita TV. Yeah, unclear yet how that's going to work, but I'm guessing you're right. You and I think own the digital rights to yeah, them, not not the... to not to tangent off too badly. That's kind of where Nintendo is beating Sony with their handhelds. You know, not, Sony not with this guy though. No, no, not with this guy. <laughs> Nintendo, you know, they came out with the Game Boy. They came out with the Game Boy Advance. They came out with the Game Boy Color. All the games worked. They come out with the DS, the 3DS, and you know this horror. All the games, for the most part, work. Was there another R in there? <laughs> okay. Anyway, with with Sony, they came out with the PSP, 
proprietary, you know, UMD yes. format. Oh, yeah, the they come out with the Vita. No optical drive whatsoever. Those games you bought for your PSP that you enjoyed playing, I'm sure you enjoyed playing all two of them. <laughs> now you can rebuy them in the Vita store if you'd like to play them again. So, you know, you, you run that risk when you cut people off. But, yeah, I think this is where this is going to run into issue is it's great that it can play this stuff. But if you're already, you know, a diehard Sony fan, you've probably got a PS1 and a huge library. You might already have a Vita. This isn't going to do you any good. Yeah, I, I think the the interesting thing is going to be that I think this is going to do more good for the Vita market. You know, Vita TV is going to do more good for Vita than the Vita did. You know, I mean, that I, sounds yeah, crazy. I, I, I can't disagree with but that. But I, yeah. I think, you know, when you, when you look at it, the Vita was kind of an expensive unit, you know, versus Vita TV, if it really does come to the States at, at 100 bucks, I mean... It competes directly with Ouya now. Yeah. Everybody what, was was that's true. Was excited about the Ouya at ninety nine bucks because you could get into this stuff. Now the games aren't going to be as cheap as the Ouya. That's true. Are they going to work it as a, a media extender as well? Is that, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It, it, it will that, do okay, all so those. I, you can exactly do, like an Ouya. Yeah, to be honest, right? You can run the Vita Facebook app off of it. Oh, you wow. can run Netflix. You can run all your other media streaming. Uh, they're saying that Gaikai is going to work on it which will be interesting when that comes out. Now, that's kind of the big, uh, you know, checks in the mail on how cool Gaikai is going to be. Don't know. Could be awesome. Could be not as good as we are ex- are being told. Don't know. But, uh, you know, that's one that good move on Sony's part here because this is releasing in Japan before the end of the year. November wow. it releases. Yeah, this is the first thing I feel that Sony's done that was, like, a little bit outside the box good. Um, this is the 2DS is not outside the box, really. It's it's uh, basically it's a 3DS, and I hate to be mean about it. But it's a 3DS for poor people. Um, <laughs> you know, if you have if you have the and extra, not even if it's only it's only 50 bucks off. Well, yeah, it's between yeah. 50 and 100 yeah. or something like that. And even if they drop the price point to That's you know your, below like, a, below 100 bucks, it's is still, that your price point though? Like, if I mean, this was 60 some... or 75 bucks, it would totally make sense to me. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. At, at that would make sense. Versus 180. I, I don't get it. I, your price I point. Don't. Yeah. yeah. I think more people would spend a hundred dollars or less, and then 200 is 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 reaching that. Would you spend it on something? Yeah. So, so I went like out less and for uh, in the very distant past uh, bought a Game Boy Advance. Like after the you know when when the DS had come out. I went back and bought a Game Boy Advance and Final Fantasy VI for Game Boy Advance nice. just because I wanted to play that one game. That's all I went. I went to GameStop and I bought that the and the game, period. And I was happy. Yeah. I can almost imagine myself doing something similar with Vita TV where I'm like, I really miss this specific PlayStation 1 game. Or who knows, you know, maybe down the road they'll, they'll adapt this to something else so that... I can I can then go back and play some of those classics that I remember um, at a dirt cheap price. Uh, I can imagine that happening with this, and maybe especially with like you talked about your Netflix account can work on it, things like that. Like that's that's awfully cool uh, from a standpoint of if you simply just put it down, plug it in, and go. That's almost easier than if you have to you know go to a strange TV. Uh, with your 
uh, your phone or whatever other device that you're running, you have a Netflix account on, that's easier to hook up, you could say. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it, you, it, don't, you don't, when you travel, you don't take your, your whole Xbox with you. You don't take your whole PlayStation with you, you know, so you yeah, can watch your Netflix. Yeah, yeah. But if you had something that was roughly the size of your phone, you know, that you just throw in. Right, because I don't, I don't also take the HDMI <laughs> out from my phone to a TV either. Exactly. Because exactly. it doesn't yeah. do 1080. Yeah. Right? Yeah, okay. you know, versus so this device does. The Sony, the Vita TV does do 1080. I believe it's 1080i. I don't think it does 1080p, but... I mean, most Netflix content is 720 anyway. So what we've established here is that there is a market for the Vita. uh, Well, not the Vita, but the Vita. There is no market for the Vita. (laughs) (laughs) But Vita TV, there's a market for it. For the 2DS, there's... For their price point. I think we can't imagine what the market is. Yeah, at the the current price point, yeah, there is no market for it. You know, if, if they were to cut it in half, like you said, if they if they dropped it to fifty or seventy five bucks, and you said my kid's going to destroy a three DS, if they destroy this thing, big whoop, I'm out fifty bucks. If this thing was nerfed too, you know what I'm talking about? Like if it was almost uh, really flimsy, plasticky, that kind of thing. No, I'm, if like all the edges, like, were like rubber edges and yes. stuff like that. So if you drop then it, it bounces it. a little bit. Right, yeah. Then I get it because then it is less. Likely to break, right. you know. You get it for your it's for your kids, f- right? Yeah, yeah. Right. exactly. For, for like, so yeah. it's it's a pr- cheaper price point, four to you, seven. You pretty much can't range. break it, you know. Okay, then I get it. You don't yeah. want it flipping because that's one thing that could go I wrong. Bust the hinges, yeah. But I mean, it's still hard plastic. I mean, it's yeah. not rubberized. I mean, maybe they are going to make accessories for this thing, but you can do that for the the 3ds as well. Yeah. So <laughs> the the thing I didn't get about this, an, another thing I didn't get, why wasn't this just the DS2. Why didn't they make another DS? Because the, the DS right now, right? There was the or, DS, or like and there the, was a 3DS. The DS. Well, Why didn't they do a DS2? So it's still dual screen. It's way the hell cheaper than a 3DS. Right. It would have come out at a, at a price point less than this guy. The DS uh, still had uh, Game Boy Advance games you could still play on. And, and I think that would be even but, a bigger... But, 3DS did not. It took it away. Yeah. So I still have my DS so I can play all those old school games. Hmm. Is uh, Microsoft making the right decision by apparently, at least at this point, who knows, because things can change on a turn of a dime, uh, drop of a dime, mixing my metaphors. Uh, Are they making the right decision by staying out of this kind of like, hey, look at the cheap thing we have battle? I, I don't know. I think they're trying to stay out of portable gaming because they've got you know, their own tablets and their own, uh, you know, the, the laptops and things that they can use for their stuff. But Surface RT has, I mean, it's not that good. See, that's interesting because it's just, there's a commercial that just started up that I was watching today where they've got like a touchscreen Halo, you know, on, on like a tablet. You know, it's a Spartan Assault or something like that. It's like a right. top-down mm-hmm. shooter. Again, it's that. got the, I mean, it's just a little bit like, it's almost, almost to the point where it's like they're trying, mm, trying to tap into something here. All right. So anyway, the Vita, I am, I am pretty or Vita TV. I think it's a pretty good move by Sony in all the features it brings into the table. Nintendo, I have no idea what they're doing with this. I think it would have had to go much cheaper for for this to really hit a mass audience. Yeah. Uh, right. The Vita TV, I really do think that it's gonna it's gonna do really good things. You know. Probably one of the best things that, that Sony has done in, in a while as far as bringing stuff to market. So then let's ask one final question. 
Uh, are you, is this the really important question? Would you consider buying this? I think I would. I, I, the, I would. The TV? I would, I would, as much as I'm not a super huge fan of Sony, I, I think I'd give it a, give it a chance. Just, I, uh, I mean, at a hundred dollars. At a hundred bucks. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. you've got, I mean, you know, the Roku box, all the other little individual media it's boxes. That, like, if it's all that deal. plus, you know, Resident Evil, the early Final Fantasy games, all that stuff, why not? Does this kind of tie, tie, tie a little bit with our phone discussion? If it can do that extra thing, you know, that all these other things are supposed to do. I mean, this your phone which can do all these extra things now. So if this can be the Roku box plus everything else, mm. you know, including the gaming system, yeah. I think we can... Yeah. I think that's I, something we can <coughs> that helps. Yeah, I, I definitely, I do, I do think that that does that. And the, the one final thing was the the uh, the Gaikai for for uh, Vita TV. It had um, they were saying that what it might be able to do is a streaming service where the games are able to be much more advanced than what can be processed locally because they're just streaming you video of what you're playing. Now. I don't know about you guys, but I've seen some pretty horrific input lag before, so yeah. maybe that's yeah, not a great we'll idea. Wait, but we'll wait terrifying thought. Yeah, I wouldn't want to. Wouldn't want to do any first-person shooter <laughs> like that. I don't yeah. think. Got your tag. But anyway, so, makes yeah. a hell of a lot more sense than uh, than the two DS lag okay. switching. No, he's just on guy kind. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, that's it for uh, episode three of the Fairly Awesome Podcast. I hope that it was your magic number. Uh, if it was or if it wasn't, we, you know, we care about you, but, you know. Except me, apparently. Apparently not except, that much. Yeah, uh, just a little. So uh, tell us in the comments below uh, what you thought. Uh, let us know. You can uh, go to YouTube. We'd really appreciate the thumbs up. Uh, or go to facebook.com slash fairly awesome podcast. Give us a like. You can see a lot of other content there. Uh, follow us on Twitter at FAPcast, where Ryan is posting semi-nudes, uh, selfies. They're, I'm they're pretty fantastic. sure that doesn't happen. Yeah. So it, it does now. It fans does, want it will it. now. The fans oh, want to see it. It's been demanded. Yeah, sorry. It's been kickstarted. It's been kickstarted. I've been whored out to, to FAPcast. <laughs> so anyways, thanks guys for watching, and we'll see you for episode four in a couple weeks.